Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Today we have on identical twins, Gary and Mark Blackman, who I believe are even closer than Stacy are, Stacy and I are, if that's even possible. Uh, they went to the same college together, Columbia, the same music school, Florida State University. They worked as professional jazz musicians, I think, for 10 years before they created their own theater business together, Arts Power National Touring Company in 1985. Uh, Arts Power was established around one important priority to create outstanding spirited theater that speaks and resonates powerfully with audience mostly between six and 15 years old. And this season would have been their 34th season. They have 34 original tours in 49 different states and 14 million people have watched. Something that I think is wonderful is that I was had the privilege to do an Arts Power tour back in 2010, which was Sheila the Great. And so I have personal experience of working with these guys. And it was, I always said that I wanted to tour and they gave me my tour experience. It was about the longest my husband's ever let me leave too, which was awesome. So I really enjoyed <laughs> the tour and would highly recommend it. So now we have Gary and Mark on our podcast. Thanks for joining us guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. So we usually start with how did you get into theater? But my first question on today's podcast is going to be, how is it working with your identical twin? That's a really good question. Yeah, it's, twin, uh, that's like, what is it like not working with your identical twin? <laughs> I know, like, I have no other experience except for this, but. Uh, well, it's, we have a single vision of, although we do bring different skills and different personalities to arts power and to the work that we do. In fact, the, the work is divided between the two of us. I, I'm really responsible for the earned income side, that is uh, booking the shows in theaters and uh, throughout the country and performing arts centers. And Mark's job is to apply for grants through individuals, uh, corporations, foundations, government agencies, and raise money as because we're not profit. So we've actually divided the labor that way. So working with with him is uh, it's good. I mean, we we don't really argue or uh, disagree that often. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, when we, when we do, we usually find a solution pretty quickly. Um, we don't let things fester. Um, and that's kind of been, as you guys know, being an identical twin, you do have a, a special relationship with a twin. Whether or not you, you get along with them or you don't or you, you argue, um, at the end of the day, you're still an identical twin. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we, we tried to use it, and I use the word exploit it uh, in a good way, exploit yeah. our twinness to the best uh, way we can, that is to help promote our business and help promote our vision and our mission. Um, which you stated very nicely, Cynthia. Thank you. Um, and it's been it's been really fun working with Mark. Uh, we've been working together even before Arts Power. We had a band, a jazz group together that uh, we traveled a great deal, um, and just kind of found our niche in terms of what we each like doing, and uh, we focused on that. Do you guys share a brain? Because. <laughs> When Cindy and I, like, if she's really stressed and working really hard, she'll call and be like, I need all the brain right now. And I got to go, like, find, like, a mediocre thing to do, clean or something, so that she has the full brain power. You've never uh, experienced that, although I like it. I like, I like <laughs> you should try it. It's very useful. I need your brain for a while. Um, 
yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I understand where you're coming from because for us, it's there's a shorthand for us that if one one of us has a certain feeling or um, or we're thinking whether we're feeling good or not feeling good, that the other pretty much understands. Yeah, there's an mm-hmm. implicit level of understanding that you don't have to explain anything. You know, the, he gets it. He gets it. Uh, which I guess is positive and negative for the people with whom we work, because sometimes they'll, you know, we have a shorthand and they're going, what are you thinking? We don't know, you know, you know what you're thinking, but we don't know what you're thinking. You guys haven't completed a single sentence yet. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. (laughs) Or or in the uh, the extreme case, of course, we don't do this very much, where, you know, he'll tell someone to do something and I'll tell them to do the exact opposite. (laughs) That's always pleasurable. But um, no, for the most part, we're on the same wavelength and we can anticipate what the other thinks, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is what we're doing. We've been doing this for 35 years now. Um, it helps a lot. And we don't, we don't fight. We don't really have disagreements. Um, and when we do, they're pretty quickly resolved. Yeah. If you were to interview us separately, or we would interview you separately, we would ask you the same questions in the same order. We so, often talk over each other to ask the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I have too. Well, my next question is, why did you guys, or how did you decide to start Arts Power? What led up to that? Well, we had toured with our own group for 10 years. Uh, we toured, I think, a total of 17 states. We played, so we did school assembly programs on jazz. That was our, that was our, our uh, group and what our focus was. Um, and after touring for 10 years, I got married in 1991. Mark got married in 1992. And at that time, it, it, well, for any, at any time, it's really hard to be a touring musician and have a family life. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard. Um, and our focus was more on education. Our degrees are in music education, our graduate degrees. And we felt that with our the experience that we had as musicians and as educators, if we combine those two, when our, we come from a family of teachers. Our, our dad was a professor. Um, my, our mom taught first grade for 30 years. Our sister's a PhD. Uh, my uncle is wow. a math teacher. So we have teachers and my grandmother was a teacher. We have, uh, we have lots of teachers in our family. That was the, that was, that's what motivated us and, and really informed uh, our desire to start Arts Power. So we started Arts Power in 1985 um, with all these experiences and uh, training in different areas. And we just felt like it was, it didn't feel like a real job. It still doesn't feel like a real job. Um, We run to work. Uh, It's just, we're having a great time doing this. So that's how Arts Power came to be. And and our interest in theater, maybe Mark can talk about um, how we became interested in, in theater, which actually predates Arts Power. Do you want to hear uh, hear about that, or we do? We love knowing yes. how people got into theater because okay. it's well, it's different for everyone, you know. And people are like, "How do I do this?" And we're like, "You do it your own way. There's no like one way to do this." Yeah. Well, when we were taken to uh, theater, I think for the first time when we were probably seven, uh, and uh, we saw "It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman," and that was pretty um, that was pretty exciting. And from that point on, we started to, as we grew older, we started to get more involved in, in just wanting to see theater. 
we did a couple of high school plays where we acted, but we weren't really actors. Um, but <laughs> over, over time, by the time we graduated from high school, we'd seen over 40 Broadway shows. And wow. not only that, but we were really interested in the backstage component of each of these shows. So uh, we would write to the stage managers who were always men dressed up in suits and ties. Uh -huh. And they would meet us after the show and take us backstage. So we got to stand at the top of the Inquisition staircase at Manila Mount at the Mark Hellinger Theater. Uh, we saw uh, Lauren Bacall being dressed in her five or six outfits at one time in applause. So we had these really cool experiences where we got to go backstage. That creepy. She <laughs> 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 had, had an outfit on, and the dresser was putting a coat, and then another coat. <laughs> Eight-year-old boy going, we weren't eight. We were like, but she was old. Yeah, she was old. Uh, but I don't know if twelve's any better. <laughs> well, twelve makes more sense. Twelve um, makes more sense. <laughs> but uh, you know, we were always intrigued by that aspect. And as musicians, we always wanted to play in the pit. We thought that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so that was something we always wanted to do. And at the uh, age of sixty, I finally got a chance to do that one night uh, in Hello Dolly for a friend of mine, um, which was a an interesting experience because <laughs> I was just so totally hyped up about it that, you know, it was, um, it was a long night, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a blast. I had a blast. So, you got to check it off your bucket list. So it was good. Exactly. So, uh, those experiences as kids pretty much have followed us through, uh, adulthood and we're still really intrigued by how theater works. And I'm still thrilled when I sit in the theater and, watch 2,000 kids watch a, an arts power show like you have and how they respond to it. And, mm -hmm. and that's really, I think, what's motivated us to keep going. Keep, keep it's the best it. energy in the house. Yeah, absolutely. And kids don't lie. They'll tell you exactly what they think immediately. Yes. So that's, uh, that's, um, that's been satisfying because most of the time, almost all the time, kids respond positively, as do adults to what we're doing. So that's, that's edifying for us. So you guys create new works. You don't take something that's already been produced, correct? How did you, why did you come up with that idea? And then how did you go about making that happen? I don't think it was a conscious decision. Uh, we, we met Greg Gunning, the artistic director back in 1988, and he had a script. Hmm. Uh, we actually interviewed him because we wanted him to direct a play that someone else was a musical. Someone else was writing about uh, space travel. That's that was our idea. Like, oh, we'll do a program. We'll do a show about what's it like to be in space. And, and we had no idea what we were doing. None. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Greg gave us. He said, "Well, I, I'm not really that interested in that, but I'll give you the script I've been working on for ten years." And uh, he gave us the script, and we read it. It was called. Uh, it didn't have a name at that point. But he was writing like a two act. He was going to make it a Broadway show. It was really too long and a lot of characters. And uh, we told him we were interested. And uh, it was called, we called it Four Score and Seven Years Ago. It was the title we came up with. And that was the first show we produced in 1989. Uh, we asked our grandfather for a loan of $10,000, which he did. He loaned us 10000 and we paid him back. He actually sat in the fir first row for the very first workshop or the very first uh, dress rehearsal. Of four score, he came up from Florida, and he was here to see it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of how it happened. the The fact that we do original plays, I think we've always wanted to do original work. 
um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a composer and uh, the group that we played, that we performed with, our jazz group, had mostly original music uh, in it. So I think that's that kind of, that's where that came from. And um, we, we just, once we got properties, uh, we got the rights to do all these really famous books, Are You My Mother? And uh, Anna Green Gables is public domain. Harry the Dirty Dog. We just felt like they need it needed a new interpretation. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how that started. We never really went with uh, canned a canned show or, or scripts that have already been created. That part of the fun about producing a show is to work with a writer and the composer and lyricist on something that's never been done before. It's a challenge, but it's really fun. And I think that yeah. a big part of it too was let's create something that's never been done before. And we've done that 34 times. It's a collaboration guys- process. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's all about collaboration. That's the only, the only I mean, that's why we do it. Um, and you've got to keep your ego out of it. Uh, it's all about the play. It's all about the, uh, whether the play works, the music is right, the lyrics are right. It's all about that. And any ego, you can just check it at the door before you go in. And luckily we've worked with people who, for the most part, have, uh, have been that way. You guys do multiple shows a season and you repeat some of them, how many new shows do you come up with every season? Well, for uh, the longest time, we were coming up with one new one every year and just adding one more to the repertoire. Um, in 2009, when the economy kind of tanked, uh, we had to put off creating a new show each year. Uh, the last two or three years, we've been cre- creating new work again. So there was a time where we were unable to create a new show. But uh, that's changed, fortunately. And um, last year's show, Gary actually wrote the script. He was the playwright and worked with the two new composer lyricist team who were new to us. But that show called Judy, Moody, and Stink, based on the books by Megan McDonald, uh, that show is one of the best ones we've ever produced, I think. Um, I love the name of that one. Yeah, it's, it's based on uh, Judy Moody, a character uh, that has a whole series of books written about her and her little brother Stink, who came along a little bit later, and there are a number of books about him as well. So Gary took two of those books with the permission of the author and combined them and created this musical that's fantastic. Music is great, lyrics are great, and the dialogue works well. Um, we're producing, uh, we were planning on producing a new one this year called Cowboy Camp, which I was going to write. We figured that after 35 years of producing these things that you get a sense of what has to happen in an hour to make a story work. So uh, uh, trying my hand at this, we're, we're we suspended the production because of the pandemic, but uh, we'll get back to it eventually. This yeah. is just giving you more time to write and collaborate and find new works. Yeah, it has. Uh, more importantly, because we can't tour live theater anymore, uh, we have gone into a, a video into the video end of it, trying to uh, edit and market our shows online. And that's taken most of our time since we closed our tours back in March. We've been working pretty much every day to craft a, a whole new business, basically, offering, mm-hmm. offering our presenters around the country who could no longer present live performances, give them the opportunity to bring in uh, online performances with a whole complement of study materials that we also have written just for this. 
so that we could become, you know, a resource for teachers, elementary and middle school teachers around the country to get involved in what they have to do now, and that's utilize video. So right. we're hoping that works, and we've been working hard to ensure that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So you guys have videos of all of your stuff, and you're, like, cutting them together and editing and... Correct. Correct. We um, Each show has its own video. So we've done this. We did this years ago um, with some of the shows and some more recent. Um, but I don't know what motivated us to do it then, but we luckily we have all this material and content. So this year for our website, which is called Arts Power Theater On Demand, and the website is uh, artspowerondemand.teachable.com, which is an educational platform, Teachable. Uh, we've created what's called School Edition for Chicken Dance, uh, coming up Basilie Frankweiler, and then in October, Anne of Green Gables, and then November, The Monster Who Ate My Peas. Uh, <laughs> each one of these has been taped, uh, has been videoed, and uh, we're, we're creating, again, the educational suite of materials that go uh, go along with each show uh, so that you get not only the full show, you get a study buddy that's grade specific to your particular grade level. You get exclusive interviews with the author of the book, with uh, some of the key creatives who created the play. Um, and also you get an animated read along for the younger shows where the actually the, the uh, book art is animated and it's narrated. So you can, and there's music put to it. So you can actually watch uh, and read along uh, with your caregiver, parent, grandparent, uh, teacher. So it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to, lot to offer, a lot more than you get if you just went to the theater to see a theater field trip. Right. That is so cool. That was an excellent idea. Yeah, we, uh, you know, when, when the pandemic hit and we took our, all of our companies off the road on Friday, March 13th, we started working on this probably the week after. We just thought we, didn't, we, were, we were not ready to give up the business. We were not ready to close up. And a lot of theaters have. Yes, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And a lot of rehearsal spaces in New York have closed. Yes. Like the, uh, the big one, Shetler Studios. Shetler, yeah. Yes, Which, and he called me on that one. Well, we were literally negotiating with them two weeks before because we were about to rent like a whole floor of their studio for six weeks, you know? So like we had gone there, we had done tours. You kind of heard about COVID, you know, but we were literally like about to sign the papers when, when COVID hit. And then two weeks later, we got the announcement that they were closing. <laughs> it was just like, what? Yeah, it was crazy. Well, the, their manager, Kyle Groff, I don't know if you spoke to Kyle. But Kyle, was a, yes. he's an arts power guy. He was in a couple of arts power shows. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Before he became the, the, I guess, assistant manager of, uh, of Shetland. Chetler, so, yeah. Uh, we use um, uh, we use another rehearsal studio. We use Ripley Greer, uh, and they, we don't know when they're going to open. We have no idea when they're going to be open. So, so this was you know born out of necessity, uh, but also something we've always been interested in. Twenty five years ago, we did uh, we got a large grant from Bell Atlantic, which is now Verizon. They gave us money to produce something called interactive television. Uh, what we did with interactive TV is every high school in New Jersey had an ITV room for distance learning. So if you went to hmm. a, a high school up here in the north that, and you wanted to take Latin and it wasn't offered at your high school, you could take a life of grants through individuals, uh, 
corporations, foundations, government agencies, and raise money as because we're not profit. So we've actually divided the labor that way. So working with with him is uh, it's good. I mean, we we don't really argue or uh, disagree that often. <laughs> and, uh, when we, when we do, we usually find a solution pretty quickly. Um, we don't let things fester, um, and that's kind of been, as you guys know, being an identical twin, you do have a, a special relationship with a twin. Whether or not you, you get along with them or you don't or you, you argue, um, at the end of the day, you're still an identical twin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've, we tried to use it, and I use the word exploit it uh, in a good way, exploit yeah. our twinness to the best uh, way we can that is to help promote our business and help promote our vision and our mission um which you stated very nicely cynthia thank you um and it's been it's been really fun working with mark uh we've been working together even before arts power we had a band a jazz group together that uh we traveled a great deal um and just kind of found our niche in terms of what we each like doing and uh, we focused on that do you guys share a brain because uh, when, when Cindy and I like if she's really stressed and working really hard she'll call and be like I need all the brain right now and I gotta go like find like a mediocre thing to do clean or something so that she has the full brain power you've never uh, experienced that although I like it I like, I like <laughs> you should try it it's and very I useful your, I need your brain for a while um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh, I mean I understand where you're coming from because for us it's there's a shorthand for us that if one one of us has a certain feeling or um, or we're thinking whether we're feeling good or not feeling good that the other pretty much understands yeah there's an mm-hmm. implicit level of understanding that you don't have to explain anything you know the, he gets it he gets it uh, which I guess is positive and negative for the people with whom we work because sometimes they'll you know we have a shorthand and they're going, what are you thinking? We don't know, you know, you know what you're thinking, but we don't know what you're thinking. You so, guys haven't completed a single sentence yet. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. <laughs> or or in, the, uh, in the extreme case, of course, we don't do this very much, where, you know, he'll tell someone to do something and I'll tell them to do the exact opposite. But, <laughs> that's always pleasurable. But um, no, for the most part, we're on the same wavelength. And we can anticipate what the other thinks, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is what we're doing. We've been doing this for 35 years now. Um, it helps a lot. And we don't, we don't fight. We don't really have disagreements. Um, and when we do, they're pretty quickly resolved. Yeah. If you were to interview us separately, or we were to interview you separately, we would ask you the same questions in the same order. <laughs> we often so, talk over each other. To ask the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That well, happens too. <laughs> well, my next question is, why did you guys, or how did you decide to start Arts Power? What led up to that? Well, we had toured with our own group for 10 years. Uh, we toured, I think, a total of 17 states. We played, so we did school assembly programs on jazz. That was our, that was our, our uh, group and what our focus was. Um, and after touring for 10 years, I got married in 1991. Mark got married in 1992. And at that time, it, well, for any, at any time, it's really hard to be a touring musician and have a family life. Mm-hmm. Very, very hard. Um, and our focus was more on education. 
our degrees are in music education, our graduate degrees. And we felt that with our, the experience that we had as musicians and as educators, if we combine those two, and our, we come from a family of teachers. Our, our dad was a professor. Um, my, our mom taught first grade for 30 years. Our sister's a PhD. Uh, my uncle is wow. a math teacher. So we have teachers and my grandmother was a teacher. We have, uh, we have lots of teachers in our family. That was, the, that was that's what motivated us and, and really informed uh, our desire to start Arts Power. So we started Arts Power in 1985 um, with all these experiences and uh, training in different areas. And we just felt like it was, it didn't feel like a real job. It still doesn't feel like a real job. Um, it's, you know, we run to work. Uh, it's just, we have, we're having a great time doing this. So that's how Arts Power came to be. And, and our interest in theater, maybe Mark can talk about um, how we became interested in, in theater, which actually predates Arts Power. Do you want to hear the, hear about that or? We do. We love knowing yes. how people got into theater. Okay. Because it's, well, it's different for everyone, you know? And people are like, how do I do this? And we're like, you do it your own way. There's no, like, one way to do this. Yeah. Well, when we were taken to uh, theater, I think, for the first time when we were probably seven. Uh, and uh, we saw It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. And that was pretty, um, that was pretty exciting. And from that point on, we started to, as we grew older, we started to get more involved in, in just wanting to see theater. We did a couple of high school plays where we acted, but we weren't really actors. Um, but <laughs> over, over time, by the time we graduated from high school, we'd seen over 40 Broadway shows. And wow. not only that, but we were really interested in the backstage component of each of these shows. So uh, we would write to the stage managers who were always men dressed up in suits and ties. Uh -huh. And they would meet us after the show and take us backstage. So we got to stand at the top of the Inquisition staircase at Manila Monte at the Mark Hellinger Theater. Uh, we saw uh, Lauren Bacall being dressed in her five or six outfits at one time in applause. So we had these really cool experiences where we got to go backstage. That's creepy. She had an outfit on and the dresser was putting a coat and then another coat. <laughs> Eight-year-old boy going, we weren't eight. We were like, but she was old. Yeah, she was old. Uh, but I don't know if twelve's any better. <laughs> well, twelve makes more sense. Twelve um, makes more sense. <laughs> but uh, you know, we were always intrigued by that aspect. And as musicians, we always wanted to play in the pit. We thought that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so that was something we always wanted to do. And at the uh, age of sixty, I finally got a chance to do that one night uh, in Hello Dolly for a friend of mine, um, which was a an interesting experience because uh, I was just so totally hyped up about it that, you know, it was, um, it was a long night, <laughs> but I had a blast. I had a blast. So, you got to check it off your bucket list. So it was good. Exactly. So uh, those experiences as kids pretty much have followed us through uh, adulthood and we're still really intrigued by how theater works. And I'm still thrilled when I sit in the theater watch 2000 kids watch a, an arts power show like you have and how they respond to it. And, mm -hmm. and that's really, I think what's motivated us to keep going. Keep, keep it's the going. best energy in the house. Yeah, absolutely. And kids don't lie. They'll tell you exactly what they think immediately. Yes. So that's, uh, that's, um, that's been satisfying because most of the time, almost all the time kids respond positively as do adults. 
to what we're doing. So that's, that's edifying for us. So you guys create new works. You don't take something that's already been produced, correct? How did you, why did you come up with that idea? And then I just loved how organized it was and how efficient it was. Cause you get to so many companies these days, you know, where you're like sitting there twiddling your thumbs forever while someone figures out how the, the props go together, you know, and here you guys were with like, here's how everything works. Go for it. What, what were you expecting? Just out of curiosity, what did you think was going to happen before uh, you took the job? Um, I was expecting it to not be as efficient, I guess, because I'd never, at that point, I'd only once done a show that had already been produced before. You know, I was, I was used to educational theater, but then community theater, I guess is the right way, semi-professional theater, you know, where they're still like building this set and learning how it goes together and, you know, figuring out the staging as they went. And especially when it came to sound, because sound was my weakest point. And when I, when you guys told me that, you know, the stage manager runs the soundboard, I was like, oh, this is never going to work. But the fact that we had it in rehearsal and, you know, like there was a whole, a whole list set up of like, this is what you do. This is what you do. And I think we even went out to the shop for one day to like see the setup in the shop, you know, and I just got so much more confident in it because I was like, I don't know anything. And now I'm supposed to run like audio and, and four microphones all at the same time. And it just became this wonderful, like by the end, I, it was just kind of like playing the piano. And I just knew exactly who I needed to mute when and who I needed to bump their mics when for different things. And, you know, but it was just so well run and so efficient. And I never felt like I wasn't taken care of and that everything hadn't already been thought through, you know, like it was just this, I went in and I did my job and I didn't have to worry about, you know, taking care of anything else because it was all done. It was amazing. I loved it so much. Well, we have, we have a great, we have a great uh, production manager here, Karen Bibbo. And mm -hmm. she's really organized and smart and uh, anticipates any kind of problems that may arise. She's been doing this for a long time. She's been with us for 15 years and she pretty much understands even before things happen, what could happen. And she anticipates yeah. them really well. So that's been, I think, the key to, to the success that you're talking about and the efficiency of how these things run, that pretty much every base is covered. And she's, um, I think she prides herself on that. I and mean, we're certainly uh, thrilled with how the productions work you know, technically and how people are trained and how they're treated. She's in constant contact and communication with all of our actors and stage managers. If there's ever a problem, she tends to it immediately. And mm -hmm. that's, that's been vital for us because with someone like that who anticipates problems, you get fewer of them, a lot fewer than, yeah. than you might anticipate. And you, like, you said she um, takes care of you. I, we were on the road, we are in Florida for Halloween and we showed up at our hotel in Florida and we all had little like, candy baskets and it was so awesome we were all sitting by the pool eating candy you know and it was something that so many people wouldn't have even thought of you know she did that and, herself. Uh, right she does that herself this yeah is it's that she loves it's just so wonderful she loves to share and in our office we have i don't know if you remember there's a big wall behind her um with a mm -hmm. cork board on it with a bulletin board on it and she's just posted pictures that people have sent to her and so clearly she's uh she's very proactive with uh, our personnel. And that yeah. makes a tremendous difference. A lot of people come back. I mean, this, is a, mm -hmm. this is a hard job, but a <laughs> lot of people will come back early mornings, long travel, uh, but they return. 
And I think in large part because of her and the way that they know they'll be treated on the road and that we, we all care about them. We've done this ourselves. We understand the difficulties. We also understand the, um, the benefits that you, know, you can get out and practice your craft in front of thousands of people every day. There's nothing like it, nothing like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That is pretty amazing. I think that's something that a lot of theaters, not a lot of theaters, but just companies in general miss is that personal caring about people. People are willing to work extra hard and come back if they feel like they're making a difference and somebody cares. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That's right. Exactly. When Cindy, when you went out, that was that the first production of that show or had you guys done that show a couple of times? Uh, we had done the show a couple of times. We, we produced uh, Sheila the Great in 2000. So uh, it had been out for several times during that period before uh, uh, Cynthia was with us. So, uh, and, and it was fun because Judy Bloom, like winning her over was, was the most fun part of that show. We didn't have the rights to the, we wanted the rights to the play, to the book, to do a, a stage play. And she didn't know us. So we contacted her. And she's, you know, she was, of course, naturally a little reticent and uh, mm -hmm. wasn't sure what to do. And we said, well, look, you don't know us. We don't know you. Uh, why don't you come see a show? So we were doing a little princess at this really beautiful regional theater in this area called the Paper Mill Playhouse. She, and we actually, we hired a uh, limo to pick her up in New York. And she came out and we had a little reception for her after the play and the, uh, the performance went very well. She said she cried, they're all the right parts. And, <laughs> uh, and we sealed the, the deal at that, uh, after that performance, she said, I think I can trust you with my, with my work. And they're, these are like children to her. And like every author, we treat these yeah. books like they're children. Uh, and she worked with, the, with Greg who wrote the script. Uh, and they lived near each other. So Greg would go over to her apartment and he would play every other part. She would play Judy. Uh, <laughs> not Judy. She would play Sheila. Sorry. Sheila. She would play Sheila. <laughs> and, uh, and Greg would do all the other parts. And she was very clear about what she wanted. And she exchanged words. And it turned out exactly the way she wanted. It. So, um, yeah, it was uh, doing that, that, doing new work like that. And bringing it back is always interesting because every actor and stage manager, they bring something different to the play. So sometimes the, the original cast will sear in your brain, but then other mm -hmm. actors come along and they, they do something really cool. And you go, oh, that's great. You know, thank you, thank you for, for bringing yourself to this play. The director, hopefully we don't have directors who tell the actors exactly what to do. We want them to bring something to the show. So it, that's kind of fun. So your cast of Sheila is different from any other cast and you brought your own uniqueness to, to the company and to that play. So it's really, that's kind of fun for us too. You're not, we're not producing a new play, but we keep seeing old plays done in with, you know, through the eyes and the characters and the performances of different people. It's really fun. Really. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I like a lot about theater is even though I do theater and I put on plays, uh, it's always a different cast. It's always a different set. It's always a different costume. It's always a different prop. It's always mm -hmm. something different, which keeps it new and exciting. Yeah, yeah, because it can get boring. I mean, it can get routine. And uh, and for Arts Power, the fun part of, I think, of Arts Power tours is that 
it's not routine in that it's a different theater and different audiences every single day. And on Broadway, different audiences, but the same theater. Here, we really, we really mix it up. <laughs> Which is kind everything. Of like, yeah, but again, when you go back to the organizational part, we were given two, I believe, two binders. When we, when we started, one binder had all of the theater information, mm -hmm. and we were allowed as stage managers and encouraged to um, handwrite our notes in, you know, that would go back to Karen and she would update it. So not only would it say like, this is a theater, these are the specs, this is the people you call, this is where the loading dock is, other stage managers would write in and be like, oh, here's a little tidbit about this, or this is how this works, you know? So like everyone was was personalized, but we knew exactly where we were going. And then the other binder would have all the hotel information, like exactly where it was when we were checking in. So it wow. was, yeah, it was so cool. Uh, but that was the fun part is that sometimes we would stay three or four days in one city. Sometimes like every day we were driving to a new city and, and you get to see, we got to see so much of the country, but it was also so cool to sometimes we were interacting with like a union house with union crew and, you know, a whole sound system setup where they did all the sound for me. And then sometimes we we're in these, like, what do they call them? Cafe gymnasium. Gym cafetoriums. Yeah. Those things, you know, <laughs> We were like trying to figure out how to, you know, how to fit in this space and how to get there, like in between, you know, class sessions. And once I think to a, a sidewalk in order to like unload because it was snowing and stuff, you know, but it was just kind of exciting, you know, because you're not in the same place every time. And so the show automatically is different depending on what location you're in. So it was, yeah, it was so much fun. I love doing it. My husband doesn't like me leaving that much, but I was gonna say, yeah. Now, now tell your husband you're leaving again. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm leaving soon. We love that one. So we're so, we're so glad you could do it. Uh, you guys do different, or each you have different age groups for different shows, correct? Sheila the Great was definitely written differently. I think um, Rainbow Fish was another one that we saw, or that you guys sent on tour. And I can't remember the other one. Rainbow Fish is the one that keeps sticking out in my head. How do you decide? what age group you're going to uh, build the show for next. I know it probably depends a bit on the book that you're creating it on, but how do you kind of like rotate that in your season? It depends mostly on the book. So the book pretty much will tell us who the audience is going to be for the play. Uh, Are You My Mother, Harry the Dirty Dog, Rainbow Fish, all for a younger audience. Sheila the Great, <clears throat> uh, Amber Brown is Not a Crayon, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder, we can push that to the upper elementary level. Uh, and then with a show like My Heart in a Suitcase, which we produced in 2006, and that's been running pretty regularly for us. It's about, it's a, a Holocaust story about a woman mm -hmm. who survived the kinder transport. 10,000 children were allowed to leave uh, Nazi-occupied countries and go to England where they survived the war but many of their parents didn't and families didn't. Um, so that play is for middle school and even a high school audience. So we serve different, different levels with different kinds of uh, shows, really based on the book, on the level, the reading level of those people reading um, the different books we select. So that's, that's how that works. We like to give the theater people uh, who, that we sell to a variety. So they, they all don't want, uh, they want to serve as wide an audience in their local areas as they possibly can. So we'll, for example, in the fall, we'll do two shows for younger audiences, one for older. And in the spring, we'll do six shows, uh, we used to do, six shows, uh, and they 
kind of split up K to two and then three to six, grades three to six, uh, or with hardness two case to 12th grade. How do you decide on what book? Are you guys just constantly reading children's books or getting recommendations from other people? Like, hey, I have a kid. We just read this book. It's great. Yeah, I spend more time in my local Glenridge Public Library in the children's section. But I, I, I'm, I think the people that work there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we start out, we start out seeing Lauren McCall backstage <laughs> and moves to the local library. <laughs> Sitting <laughs> at these little chairs in the children's section with my notes with a pad. Uh, we do a lot of reading, um, and we do a lot of uh, checking out book lists online, like the hundred most popular books. Uh, Publishers Weekly puts out uh, lists. Uh, but when we we since we both have daughters, we read to them a lot when they were little. Uh, and a lot of those books that we read to them with Madeline, we read all the Madeline books. And uh, one day in the office, this was probably 10 or 15 years ago, I said to Mark, you know, Madeline is so it's such a great story and they're, they're a series of stories and they're, they're beautifully illustrated and they're fun and they have a great message, especially for, for young girls about achieving whatever you want to and being bold. And um, so I said, why don't we call... See if I can find the people that wrote this. So Ludwig Bemelmans died a while ago. We went online, of course, um, and I Googled the last name, and I found that his grandson went to Columbia. Hmm. Nice connection. And he has, they have twins. So I'm not sure if John is a twin or wasn't, but there are twins in their family. Their mother lived in New, lives in New Jersey. And I went on whitepages.com, and I got her home phone number. And I called her at home. And she picked up the phone, and we had a very nice conversation. I explained who I was, you know, a creepy guy that, of course. <laughs> who has just been stalking your family and found your home number online. So, I know everything about your family, although we've never met. And I just came from the children's section, so it's okay. <laughs> Did I tell you who I saw in the backstage of the applause? <laughs> so uh, she, we had a very nice conversation, and uh, she said, well, why don't you call my agent? who I think was in California, Las Vegas. Uh, and we had a, we worked out a deal in like a week. It was, a fast, wow. it was the fastest negotiation we ever had. She, Unfortunately, she's never come to see the show. Um, hmm. We invited her over the years and she just, she was just happy to see, we gave her the script. She had approval over the script. She loved it. And from, you know, from the time we produced it, she was okay with it. So that's kind of how we come to these books is what we like we talk to a lot of, we talk to teachers, we talk to uh, other parents, what, what's on their bookshelves. Uh, and we do a lot of reading, we do a lot of reading. I, I take, you know, I take a lot of books out of the library and uh, with Judy Moody, we actually had a woman who was uh, assisting Karen at the time here in the office. We asked her if she would read all the books, all the Judy Moody Instinct books and recommend which one she thought would musicalize best. So she gave us a list, and then out of the, that list, we pared it down to uh, the two books that we eventually adapted. So we come to it from a variety of ways, but it's always fun. What an awesome job. Like, here, read this entire series. And I'll be like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I feel about theater. Like, 
I get paid to travel around and make art. Like, I don't know, there's nothing better than that. Like, and this is my career. So I think it's, it's a pretty awesome career. It really is. And if you, you, both of you seem like you love what you do. And, uh, and as you grow older, you'll really, you'll appreciate more. I think you, you already appreciate it, but as you grow older, you'll realize that, and you talk to more people and, and realize that a lot of people are not happy in their jobs and you are, and you've been for such a long time. It's, it's a blessing. I mean, it really mm -hmm. is. It's a remarkable, um, it's a more remarkable feat to be happy doing what you're doing and want to continue to do it forever. I think mm -hmm. that, Which like, is so, kind of the hardest part right now. Exactly. Is, you know, so many people are, are happy to not work, you know, and all of us in the theater are like, no, please let me get in a rehearsal room again. Please let me hear live music again. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. our life. Like, we need to do this stuff. It's Yeah, we understand. I, I don't know too about it. Yeah, I'm sure you guys in the same boat. Well, it took uh, you guys I, one I week during the pandemic before you started a whole new business uh, plan adventure. So that's pretty good. One week. Well, fear is a big motivator too. We were, yeah. afraid, we were afraid that we'd lose our business. You know? And although mm -hmm. we don't own this business, it's a nonprofit. I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They yeah. sent yeah. me home for like three weeks during quarantine and I was going crazy. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, oh, you can come back to work. But just do something. I was like, great, I'll teach myself the CNC machine. What else can I do? <laughs> I can sweep the shop? Great, I'll do that, please. So are, are both of you right now, uh, you're not working in, um, are you involved in projects to prepare for or you're just you're self-educating? What kinds of things do you do during the, the quarantine? Currently, I am not working in theater. I'm working on the red carpet. So we do, uh, I work at 1540 Productions, and we do the sets and stuff for the red carpet and big uh, events and parties and stuff like that. So it's not really theater, but I'm still building sets. So we're still open and doing some smaller things. Uh, one of the guys here who runs the shop was a furniture maker for years. So I've been helping him make furniture. And so I've been doing drawings of furniture and SketchUp and taught myself the CNC machine to cut out some of the details in the furniture. So not quite in the theater world, but still working in a shop and doing designs and stuff like that. I, in the beginning, I was doing, I, I did more admin work for companies that I had already worked with. My summer theater program, um, Teatro Nuovo, we are the one that we were supposed to work rehearse at Shetler Studios. Um, I'm director of production for, and when we realized we couldn't do our actual summer program, we turned it to an online thing because half of what we do is educational. We do we would do classes in the morning and then rehearsals and and a performance. So we just kind of moved the educational aspect online. So five days a week, we did a, an hour long webinar with our. Uh, it was all voluntary. Um, but we would we invited all of our singers and our orchestra members to come, and we would we taught how we would have normally taught, and uh, we had quite a few people show up regularly, um, and so I did that for a while, and now I'm working on a project, and I go upstate next week. It's um, a virtual reality steampunk opera, but with live elements. Oh, that old it, thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, simple. It's it's simple. We have. Uh, we had, we have um, video game designers who are from Reno, Venezuela, 
Venezuela, I think. Um, so it's an opera that was already written by Kamala and we're turning in, we shortened it down to like 20 minutes. So we have video game designers and VR uh, des program designers who are creating our theatrical world. And then we've hired five singers and a director and music conductor. And we're recording the, well, recording the orchestra. Um, but all of our singers are going to be live and they're in motion capture suits. So they're going to be live performing in like a green screen. And we've created all these little like boxes bubbles. So they won't see each other. They're all like socially distanced, you know, and we have like all of the CDC things we need where there's this many feet apart. And for singers, we're like 20 feet away from the singers and all this stuff. They're in little, little bubbles in motion capture suits and face recognition suits. So it'll all get pumped into one computer and then sent out to everybody, but done live. So, you know, if they like walk the wrong way, then the, the their computer animation is going to walk the wrong way. Or if they miss the line, it's their animation is going to be doing exactly what they're doing. So it's something that we had talked about for a while. It's this company that does projection mapping in the city that I, uh, where the theater is. And it just kind of, blew up in March when we were like, went from an idea to like, well, this is probably the only way we're going to be able to produce. How can we make this happen in the next five months? Um, and so that's what we're doing. So it's, it's really interesting. I've learned a lot <laughs> about, you know, video games and computer animation and, and sound and everything, but it's the best way that we could think of to still produce and still create art, but kind of like what you were, got, you were saying, taking it to a, a different level, you know, like these two companies I'm working with can't produce, how are they gonna continue to stay alive? Well, let's try this new venture. Let's see if we can create this while still employing artists and singers and musicians, you know, and uh, try to make it work. So that's gonna be the end of September. That's gonna be a, a fun, a fun projects. <laughs> I expect many phone calls. Yeah, you've got to send us the link and, and advertise it on your website so we can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my favorite, the best part is it's going to be, it's a 20 minute piece, you know? So it's going to be a nice introduction, I think, to a lot of people and people who are interested in VR, but not opera, you know, can experience opera for the first time and vice versa. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be really fun. So that's what I've been doing to, to keep myself busy during these times great great <laughs> do something i had one more question before stacy tells me i have to stop talking yeah. we've talked about the, the musical aspect and staging aspect do you guys who figures out the scenery and the costumes is that you two and greg as well or and then who builds it uh typically the way it, it, it had worked uh greg would sketch out a, a set what he wanted, what he wanted to uh, to see on stage, and mm -hmm. and such, and then I would take that to um, the artist. The, the guy who has done our last fifteen set designs is a video screen guy. That's why I thought oh. he works for a large company that designs video screens. You know, uh, gaming mostly for the gaming industry, gambling, uh, and he's an incredible illustrator and artist. So he's created 15 sets for us. Uh, the last show, the Judy Moody, uh, we pretty much, I don't remember exactly how that happened, but the two of us talked about uh, what you, the set, you, Karen, yeah, what the set should be. And I worked with Karen and uh, we translated what we thought should happen to our artist. And he came up with a, with a set that we had never built before because it involved a lot of, um, of cloth 
in addition to wood, hardwood sets, we mm -hmm. were able to, um, to hang banners with scenes on them that really created a much denser uh, look on stage, which we, yeah. we really wanted. And uh, it, made, it made for more work for the actors because they were you know, taking banners and flipping them and hooking them up and moving sets together and that kind of thing. But it gave us a really colorful look because we were able to make these large banners and they're not like, you know, they're not uh, rigid. You know, we, we can get them, we can fold them up and put them into a van. Yes. <laughs> you know, the set looked larger. In fact, it wasn't in terms of the of what uh, space it took up in the van. So that's really how we've how we've done it. Um, it's it's a collaborative effort. We all have a say in what the show looks like, from the set to the costumes to the props. Um, but Karen does a lot of the that work, uh, prop work especially, in purchasing things that we need to go on stage. So how did you meet? a video game artist designer and bring him into the theater world? Well, or was he already in the theater world? Well, you've already gotten a sense of the creepiness here. So <laughs> I was, I, you I, stalked I, another person. Right. Uh, arts administrator by day, gambler by night. No, <laughs> I think gambling's stupid because, you know, they're throwing your money away. But <laughs> that's my PSA for gambling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I saw work that he had done online and uh, I called him and said, have you ever done this before? He said, no, never. So I said, are you interested? He said, yeah, you're, like, right, you're the right person to do it then. <laughs> yeah, he had never done it before. And as we continue to work together, he understood what we needed. And so the, again, the shorthand that, you know, Gary and I share, I, I, be, I, became, <clears throat> I became connected with him in that way. So that he knew before I had to say what I wanted, he said, "Let me let me show you something, and then you respond." And that's what he did, and that's what he's done. So the sets are gorgeous. I mean, he's done fifteen shows that are all just beautifully done, all and all illustrated. Well, except for Simon, right? Yeah, all illustrated. That's pretty cool. He's good. So then, do you guys have a shop that you work with that you then send the designs to, and they build, or you guys build in house? Uh, recently we've used a builder locally who takes our plans and builds in his own shop and then little by little returns pieces to us as he completes them. So he's local. If we, if anything needs adjusting or changing, he can do that on the fly. It's really terrific. So he's got his own shop, um, away from the office, from our office. And that's how we've been working recently. And it's been really terrific. It's very efficient. He knows exactly what he's doing. And again, he also has learned the shorthand of this is what the base needs to look like, needs to roll, needs to have you know these kinds of wheels. He just understands exactly <laughs> what we're doing and easy to work with. Very it's always good. It is. It really makes a difference. Especially the easy to work with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're doing that many shows in a, in a year or a season, it's important. <laughs> yeah. The, I think we've been fortunate in working with people who uh, – generally are really cooperative and they, they're, they're looking out for the best of the product, the best show possible. And they've all been dedicated to that. That includes stage managers, actors along the way. They just really care about the show. Mm -hmm. These shows are good. I mean, I think they're all high quality, you know, shorter than a typical Broadway show, obviously, but I think they work. They work on a dramatic level. They work on an emotional level. And uh, I don't see many companies, especially those for young audiences, uh, testing the waters with uh, shows that elicit emotion. 
you know, they tend to do typically, they would tend to tell a story in a way that doesn't necessarily elicit emotions. That's something we like. We like children to feel something when they watch a show and to relate to the characters and picture themselves on stage mm -hmm. and, and project, you know, what they might think uh, a character should say or do. That's exactly what uh, theater should, should be. It should interact. It should be interactive that way. So that's what we continue to do. Nice. Yeah. yeah I and mean, I love that you go ahead. <laughs> uh, even out in California, we did Sheila the Great at the uh, Norris Theater. And I was like, oh, I know this show. My sister did it. They're like, oh, it's a new show. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. But I already know some of the songs because they already <laughs> did it. So that was really cool when. Uh, yeah, that people outside of your guys' company are doing the shows. Like, it's expanding. It's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that... The, that the, Is the, it? No, that's the, another one, Twin. That was another one? Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm messing not, up. I think it's Fudge. It might be the Fudge series, or it might be uh, the one that... What's the one of the theater works did? Uh, I don't remember. Super Fudge? Super Fudge, yeah. But there may be another Shield of the Great around. Who knows? What was so, I talking about, Twin? Dear Arduina. Ah, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. You call each other twin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty generic. Don't you know you better than that? Uh, but our brother calls us twin, too. Oh, okay. You just have to guess which one he's talking about, depending on the topic. Yeah. Yeah, well, Gary and I never really call each other the same name twice, right? <laughs> you got to guess the same way, right? <laughs> What's that? So you still have to guess who's talking about who and what you're talking yeah, about. That's right. Yeah, that we, we try to, in emails and stuff in the office, you know, I, I don't ever call him Mark. When we were kids, we listened to this news radio station out here in, in New York called the, WCBS, and uh, the traffic commissioner was, his name was Henry Barnes. You know, that's a piece of trivia that no one cares about. But, uh, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even care. <laughs> It reminds us to this day that we were little kids. I call Mark either Kamish or Henry Barnes or Kamish Barnes or Hank. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't like that story, but it's. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we did that. Just for some reason, what was it, middle school or high school, that our yeah. brother just started saying twin? And that's about the time we started calling him Kit. His and name's Russell. Why? <laughs> right, which is it? Yeah. What's his right. name? Russell. Russell. <laughs> Total sense. Yeah, the nickname. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It just started, and so that's what it's been for years. Right. So do you guys call each other every day? Yeah. Uh, it's not always <laughs> called. It's a lot of text messages, uh, Facebook post, um, calling, yeah. Mm -hmm. Random pictures. Consider, did you ever consider going to college together, or that wasn't part of the deal? You wanted to get, get away from each other? Uh, no, we applied to some of the same colleges. We just didn't get into them. I did want to like, I wanted to get further away from home and Stacy was fine being home. And so that's why we went to different colleges. I chose to go to grad school and she just started working right away. Uh, but our first year in college, so we had, we shared a cell phone when we were in high school and shared a car in high school. And then when we went to college, mom and dad said, it's not fair to give one one and not the other one so neither of us had a car or a cell phone so that we lasted went for one, a couple months <laughs> yeah i was gonna say we went one semester without having a cell phone and i came home at christmas time and i went to the store and i bought us both cell phones and i came home and i gave it to her and i said this this is going to be your cell phone this is my cell phone <laughs> yep. 
the same plan and we still have those phones you know that, that cell <laughs> that number because numbers, i was like this yeah. is not gonna work like you know because we just had landlines in college and i was just like no I, I i can't like not communicate with you 20 times a day so yeah that's pretty much what it is is well, ever since then we your, your parents communicate to, all the time your parents wanted to keep it equal i mean you, your parents seemed like they wanted to treat both of you the same yeah Right. And our brother Which was got because we even said, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know, right? And then that's why I came along. But, <laughs> yeah. Even when we said things were okay, they were like, no. Because uh, driving a car and uh, riding a bike was the same thing. Like I took to riding a bike really quickly and Stacy didn't. And so they took my bike away from me until Stacy learned to drive and or learned to ride, ride your bike. And oh, yeah. same with me. <laughs> learned to drive. I had no bike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the age of seven to seventeen. He passed his driving test and I failed. Me too. Stacy failed. And I failed. Yeah, but it's a different reason. It, we, he failed because it was a driving snowstorm and he failed to, to wipe off the back windshield before he drove. So of course he couldn't see behind him. There no such thing as you know, Pam. Well, the backup cams in the in the 19, <laughs> 1973. So, so I they, they don't even but, teach us about snow out here. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it's true. When I when I described snow for the first time, somebody had to like explain to me what I was doing. But yeah, same thing. Like mom and dad were like, "You can't drive unless Stacy learns to drive." And I was like, "Man, this really sucks." And so yeah, they, they were. Oh, our parents didn't say that at all. <laughs> No, so like I, we we drove to go. school. So, yeah, so they frozen. said we like if one of us drove to work or drove to work, drove to school, the other one had to drive home and vice versa. So the way we got around that is, you know, Stacy would get in the car and drive down the street. We'd get out and switch. So I would drive the rest of the way to work or to school. I would drive home and we'd get out and switch. So it looked like Stacy was driving. I think I told mom this the other day, and she was like, That's what you really did? And I was like, Mm, maybe <laughs> well, I don't even remember. Nothing revealed now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. When you get the questions like, you know, when you when you date guys, uh, how do you how do they can they tell who's who? Do you ever they yes this all the time when you know you, when you dated women? Did you, you dating women? Not anymore. No. <laughs> Does your wife know about this? <laughs> She's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Our wives have the same birthday, by the way. That's so cool. That's so creepy. So uh, they don't, you know, can they can they tell you apart mm. after hundreds of these questions? And you know, we have to answer. Yeah, they can tell us apart. I just used to say, "You mean naked?" And then they would stop <laughs> the questions. Ooh, yeah, I know. <laughs> See, they crack themselves up like us. We need to just interview more twins. It's entertaining. Yeah, we'll be with you in a moment. We'll be with you in a second. <laughs> what do you say? It's really funny. It's so creepy. I don't want you to hear it. How do you mute, do you mute this thing? Oh, boy. No, we're really going off the rails. <laughs> it, it's pretty common with us, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we, because she moved to New York and I'm still in California, uh, our husbands knew us for a while before they met the other one officially. 
But growing up, we definitely would trick teachers and uncles always just said, you know, twins or, yeah, teachers, a lot of teachers didn't figure it out. We played tricks on them. Uh, No, we had a lot of the same classes. Oh. Sometimes it was like the same teacher, but like a different period, or we would switch seats, or for a while, uh, Cindy was really sick in high school, I would go to half of her classes and half of my classes, because some of them were the same anyways, so I would get homework for both of us. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's efficient. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, you guys no, didn't we, do that? No, we, uh, did we, no, we, uh, we switched classes once. He went to gym class for me in college. <laughs> one, one day... And our mutual friend couldn't stop laughing. The teacher wanted to know why. And so we got in trouble. Oh, see, we told our friends. They thought it was great. Well, <laughs> we will. Mom, mom was fine with it, too. We told mom we were doing it. And she was like, okay, fine. Like, if that's what you want to do, mom was totally in on it. Yeah. So that was cool. And we would share homework. We would do, like, I guess we didn't, like, we did this sometimes. We're like, she would do the even numbers and I would do the odd numbers or she would do the first half and then I'd do the second half. Not that we didn't know how to do it. No, we never did that. Well, we weren't in the same classes. Oh, we um, were in the see? same, almost all the same classes. Yeah, they split us up in elementary school and through through high school. Well, middle school, we were in the same. Ninth grade, we were in the same class. No, we weren't. Ninth grade? No. You weren't in the... Uh... Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. Oh, <laughs> I brought them. Yeah. I was in the class. You were not in that class. Creative communications. We were both in the class. Jim Eckershard? No. You were not in the class. You were in different steps in the class. Oh, okay. <laughs> never, excuse us. But we never sat in class. Sitting in band. We were yeah. band together. But we never took a class together in high school. They wouldn't let us. They tried to wow. separate us. They separated us in first grade. We had one, um, one elementary school. And if she didn't come out for recess, I would just sit on the steps waiting. Uh, but then fun. after that, um, our school went on this, um, oh my God, what was it called, Stacey? Year-round system? Yeah. So there's four classes, but because there was too many students, they rotated. So we'd be in school three months and then off one month as opposed to a traditional school year. Mm-hmm. And so because they did that, they had to put us back in the same class. Otherwise, our vacations would be at different times. And mom and dad are like, there's no way this is happening. So from second to ninth Ever. grade from eighth, we had to do that. And then once we were in college, we were both on the eighth in high school. Jesus, words are not working for me. In high school, we were in all of the um, accelerated classes, all the AP classes, and those usually only had one class anyway. So then we're automatically stuck in the the same. I think there were like two or I took German, she never took and she took ceramics, but yeah, but that was for the most part. We're yeah, we're in the same classes because of it. So we would just confuse teachers. It was fun. Great. Yeah, we, we fully support that. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> do you guys have twins in the family? No. Yeah, no. neither do we. Nope. But identical is weird. Fraternal is usually like my husband's side. Uh, there's three fraternal twins on his side. Three or four mm-hmm. sets of fraternal twins, but we don't have any. Yeah, no, we don't. Breaks of nature. Yay! <laughs> Exactly. That's why we do theater. That's right. Because we're freaks of nature. Because <laughs> we're weird, we might as well yeah, just stick exactly. with it. Yeah. Uh, I know Stacey said we're, we ran out of time like 10 minutes ago. Um, we always ask <laughs> yeah. our last question of, 
do you have any twin stories? But we've been talking about twin stories, but you guys have like a specifically funny twin story you want to share with us. For, for the for public consumption? Or just yeah, for probably for pr- public. Oh, cool. <laughs> just change your story a bit. <laughs> well, the, the beard story. I was in Europe. It's not that interesting. No, it's not that interesting. Mm. Oh, here's an interesting one. The queer eye. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, uh, so this, <laughs> all right, here's a story. Um, years ago, we were maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we were Montclair. Um, I'm still married to my first wife. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> uh, we get a call from this producer of the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy show. Uh-huh. Which is the original show, not the, re- not the remake, the original version. Uh, and they say we're going. They said to us, "We're going to do a special on twins. And we'd <laughs> like to interview you and your brother." They do like a pre-production interview. They send a producer out. They do a little, you know, preview introductory thing, and they get to know you. And uh, so this woman comes out from New York, and uh, she comes to our office. They're going to make us over, and they're going to make over our office. So we sign this twenty-five page contract that they like they kidnap you and. You have to have your office open 24 hours over a week so they can do all their stuff and, you know, so all that behind the scenes stuff. So, um, so she comes out to New Jersey and she said, before I come out, I want you to dress the same, exactly the same. So, of course, we show up to the office and the, uh, the staff are going, what? Why are you dressed the same? So she comes out and, with a camera and she interviews us and then we go back to Mark's house and she said, I want you and your brother to stand uh, opposite your your kids the kids were there our wives were there and uh so we stood not facing them and our kids were probably six or seven at the time and uh so go to the wives okay you can't see their faces pick out your husband really (laughs) (laughs) we probably fail ourselves honestly (laughs) i i mistake myself for cindy all the time (laughs) no no the the wives said pick yeah so I think they got it wrong. I think Elizabeth got it wrong. But that's why she was my first wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a second wife. So right. it worked and out. our kids, our kids didn't get it. They got it right. So producer goes back with all this footage and says, you know, she called a couple days later. So we really love you guys. And we think you're going to be great on the show. But we need a backstory. What's your backstory? like of tragedy and pain. And she said, have you ever been addicted to drugs? Have you ever been arrested? So I say, I say to them, no, but we used to go backstage. My brother's a regular at the local. Are we getting close? So, uh, so what I told her, not only did we not have backstories, but it really we weren't willing to share them, whatever our stories were, those you know, personal stories, um, on national television. That, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? So, yeah, we never made it to Queer Eye, um, which would have been fun. Uh, we spent the whole wardrobe. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> and you didn't get your office made over. Useless. Oh, wow. We got not. We got bupkis. We got nothing. <laughs> we got absolutely nothing. 
But uh, yeah, that was our. That's a, a funny story. <laughs> They're quoting there. Funny. They're quoting. <laughs> hey, you guys, what's your funny? What's your funny twin story? No, but now I want to. Uh, I want to dress the same and see if our husbands can pick us out, or maybe the nieces and nephews. See if they could like pick us out. No, my wife wants to try to kiss Mark. We were in this room in my house. It was, we were watching TV, but it was really dark. And she walked up to Mark. And she got really close. I'm like, oh, hey, 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 hey. I don't think so. Back up, woman. Not a So I, I make sure that all the lights are on in Gary's house. <laughs> Yeah, if you would stop creeping around other people's houses, this wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> Mark had a dog, a beautiful dog, for 15 years. And she just she passed away just before the pandemic. Uh, and never once did she get us confused, ever. She was attached to Mark. No, dogs are smart. Well, when yeah, Cindy right. comes over, my dog's attached to her. Oh, is that right? Yeah. If we... Oh. If she spends the night, the dog stays on her bed the entire night and drives her crazy. Oh. And if Stacy tries to lock the dog in the room, he just whines and whines and whines until she lets him out to come hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so because she calls me twin, if she says twins coming, the dog runs over to the window and looks out the windows. So he can see yeah. The when we like, go no, pick up now. twins coming later. And he's like, yeah, he goes with us to pick her up at the airport. He has to sit on her lap the whole way. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. The- this, the dog was was a beautiful dog and just a great, smart, loving dog, but never attached herself to me in the way that, no, Mark was, they were inseparable. There was, there was a bond there that was like, you know, we, we didn't, we shared the twin bond. He bonded with his dog that they, they, were, <laughs> they were together all the time. I had, a, I had a neighbor watch the dog once. I had her run out. So the dog was outside. He's a fenced in yard. So, um, I come home and uh, I see my neighbor and he says, you won't believe what happened. I said, what? So when you left, your dog was like so undone that she scaled the fence. She couldn't hop the fence, it was six feet high. She scaled this chain link fence, jumped over the other side and crossed the street and sat on the front porch. I said, now that's, <laughs> that's a loyal dog. Yeah. <laughs> one loyal Dang. dog willing to scale a chain link fence for me. So, yeah, was, my dog just cool. winds consistently until somebody gives up and gives him what he wants. <laughs> that, that's another approach. Yeah, it <laughs> works. Do it just to make him be quiet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's like a he's like a child. Yep, he I is. Think, are we like really far over time? We just like telling twin stories. <laughs> yeah, we're like 15 minutes over, but... It's been great to talk to you guys. Yeah. It really has been fun. It's yeah, been really- it's been wonderful. I'm so glad to catch up too. It's It's... I had such a great time with Arts Power, and uh, my oldest niece got to come see a show when we were up in uh, Albany, Rochester area, and so she still talks about it to this day. Because I, you know, of course, brought her on stage afterwards and like introduced her to the to the performers, and she froze and she had no idea what to say to anybody. But it was just such a wonderful experience. So uh, very, it's great. Very, cool. yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much. We're, I'm going to look into the um, the on demand stuff because I love the whole idea of having study guides with it, and you know. Yeah, educational material cool yeah the, uh, the chicken dance study guide is up but the uh, basil i wrote the basil uh study materials and it came up to like 30 pages so <laughs> we're editing and i'm editing and formatting i've been spending the last couple of days doing that and i'm working with somebody who's helping me with it but it's going to take me some time hopefully by 
Monday. Yeah, Monday the Basley Frank Wilder. It should be up online. Will be up. Yeah, ah, not bad. Excellent. Month, and even Gables in the month after that, the monster ate my piece. I know. I know. I'm excited about that one because that was my favorite book growing up. Which one, Anne? Anne of Green Gables, yeah. yeah. It's one of it maybe one of our best shows. Yeah, it's a great play. It's definitely the top two or three. The music, the music is remarkable. To that, it's a Broadway. I mean, they're all Broadway quality shows. This one in particular just has a really strong score. That's cool. Twin, you'll have to get information about it. Send it over. Mm -hmm. I shall. I'm looking at the page right now. Perfect. <laughs> I don't have to think of any more names to think of to call you. I'll just play a twin. <laughs> it's it's easy. Uh, everyone on her side knows me as twin. Everyone on my side knows her as twin. So I just even at work, I'm like, hey, I talked to twin today. Oh, how's she doing? And then they're like, wait, for when I got married, uh, I'd been working with the same guy for years, and he didn't know Cindy's name because I always just called her twin. And so his wife's like, uh, we're coming to your wedding and your sister's there. What's her name? I was like, twin. And she's like, no, like, what do you call her? And I'm like, oh, no, she'll answer to twin. It's okay. You can call her that. Nice. Yeah. Because awesome. <laughs> we're weird. Okay. I should go. Everyone's left my office now. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go too. Uh, you guys have a great podcast. I mean, I think this, uh, you know, listen to several of them. And I think the website such a great idea, the Twins Talk Theater. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. It's great. It's great. You guys are biased because you're twins, but that's okay. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah. we'll take it. It's good. And you do sure. theater. It's sure. We'll take all of it. Perfect. <laughs> don't edit out the creepy twin stories, we hope you'll edit out. <laughs> we'll push those even more so people can listen to them and enjoy them like we do. Those are the, yeah, those are the fun like behind-the-scenes things that people don't usually get to see. Yeah. yeah. Us laughing what at really ourselves. goes on. <laughs> that too. That too. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank, thank you. you very much. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.